who's calling wonder who's keeping who. Yeah. Hey guys, welcome back to the Grateful Gator podcast. If you like what you're listening to, that is from a band called Seminole Strut here in Huntsville, Alabama. A song called Haint Blue. Uh, it's been a while since I've done a podcast. Uh, like, I think almost two years. I um, was just talking with some buddies, and I've been debating it as uh, the new year has rolled around. Uh, maybe getting back into it. So um, we're going to kind of fly by the seat of our pants here. Um, normally, in past episodes, uh, albeit maybe uh, not very apparently, but I did... Um, to do a little bit more uh, prep work and kind of uh, research and um, was maybe even a little bit more into uh, into the football games than I really am now. But uh, like I said, really wanted to throw something together uh, just kind of for fun and see if anybody, um, you know, kind of got any feedback uh, out there. But um, also wanted to talk about a couple things that have just happened in life and uh, just some cool stuff going on. Um, and then also we do have the national championship game coming up um, from, you know, Alabama and Ohio State. So um, figured, uh, again, this may be a little bit more, um, rambling, not quite as succinct as past episodes. Um, but like I said, we'll just see how it goes. So, um, really just kind of wanted to start off. Uh, if you know me, uh, I'm a huge Florida fan, uh, Gator football, um, really have to just kind of start and open with, uh, really kind of how really disappointing, uh, this season was, um, came in, um, you know, with a lot of hype, a lot of expectations, um, you know, kind of just uh, almost really coming into the season felt like almost like a given we were just going to beat Georgia, um, you know, compete for the SEC championship. Um, you know, had a lot of returning starters, a lot of a lot of talent back uh, for this year. Kyle Trask coming back, uh, you know, had a really solid 2019 season. So um, just a lot of expectations and, you know, kind of, you know, started off hot, stumbled kind of midseason with, with Texas A&M. Played well, you know, decently well through the stretch there. Vanderbilt, Tennessee, a few others, you know, beat Georgia, kind of hurtled that. And it really seemed like after that Georgia game to me that you, you kind of we kind of peaked at that Georgia game, and then the rest of the season it just kind of, you know, game by game, uh, you know, a little bit less impressive, less impressive, less impressive. And then ultimately losing to LSU there, um, you know, final game of the regular season, just super, super disappointing. Um you know, again, you lose to an LSU team. They they started true freshman quarterback. They hardly have enough scholarship players to even really travel. Um, you're at home. You have everything to play for. Really, all the pressure is on you. Um, but you know, that's a game you got to win. And then you know, frustrating. But you know, they bounce back. And you know, credit to them. You know, within six points of Alabama. Uh, but you know, again, you watch that game, and you you know, really Alabama pretty much had everything that they wanted in that game. It was really easy for them to move, move the football down the field really pretty much with ease. Al, uh, Florida, excuse me, really had to work for pretty much everything they had, um, you know, and even some of the touchdown throws or, you know, throws and catches are, are kind of insane, whereas, like I said, Alabama just kind of, you know, big chunk plays down the field with really no, no real any kind of defense in their face or anything like that, so... Um, and then you just go get crushed by Oklahoma in your bowl game when everybody opts out. So again, um, just, you know, general, general kind of disappointment with that. Kyle Trask again, really has, you know, a Heisman caliber season stat wise, but then, you know, those, those few losses, especially that loss to LSU where he throws a pick six, you know, another, another interception later in the game, fumbles the ball, 
you know, you look at that and, okay, well, 10 points off of turnovers, and, you know, that's the difference in the game. So, although, no, it wasn't, you know, necessarily his play that was, you know, completely indicative of that, but um, just a maybe, uh, you know, just not quite hitting those expectations. Again, again just kind of uh, disappointing. But moving on, there's a, a ton of awesome football games going on this weekend, uh, Wild Card Weekend. They changed up the playoffs a little bit for this year. Now, instead of the top two teams uh, having a bye uh, wildcard weekend, it's only the top seed. Um, so then now you have seven teams going into the playoffs from each conference um, instead of six. And then again, only the top team in each each conference uh, getting that, that bye. So you've got the Chiefs from the AFC and then the NFC, I guess, is the Packers. Um, that are your one seeds with buys this week. Um, but your Saturday games, uh, you've got the Colts and the Bills. They're playing in Buffalo. Um, I don't have the spreads on these, so I apologize. I'm sure the, the Bills have got to be favored here. Um, I think the Bills are playing probably the best football of anybody lately. Um, Josh Allen, I mean, borderline like MVP season behind um, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, just, I mean, they are just crushing, crushing teams. So, um, Definitely leaning the Bills here. Like I said, I think that uh, I think they probably will challenge the uh, the Chiefs for the AFC in uh, when it's all said and done. But um, should be a pretty good pretty good matchup there. Philip Rivers, um, Los Angeles Rams at the Seattle Seahawks. Um, again, I, we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants here. I haven't done a ton of research. I don't know if Jared Goff is going to be good to play with his thumb. I don't know what his diagnosis or what his outlook is. Um, I think I lean the Seahawks here. I think they're probably a little bit better team. Um, their defense has been kind of suspect at times this season, but I trust Russell Wilson over anybody. Um, so I think I'd go Seahawks here. Again, please don't bet with any of these because we're probably all wrong here. But uh, last game on Saturday is going to be the Tampa Bay Bucks going to the Washington football team, as hilarious as that is. Um, I think the Bucks are much better here. Um, I think they should win pretty easily, um, but I, you know, Washington has been playing decent football lately, um, so we'll see. Um, and then your Sunday games, you've got the Baltimore Ravens at the Tennessee Titans. That's a rematch from last year's playoffs. I still think the Titans are probably better than the Ravens. I don't know if the sorry for the text message sounds. Um, I don't know that the Ravens are going to be able to move the ball again against the Titans. Um, they seem to struggle to do that last year. So uh, we'll see. I think I probably lean the Titans here, but I also, I also wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens come out and play a good game. Um, you got the bears at the saints. I think the saints should win this one. Um, but Trubisky has been playing again, pretty okay. Lately after getting benched, he seems to maybe have uh, kind of come alive a little bit, but I probably lean the Saints here. I'm probably going pretty chalky here. I'm sorry, I, even though I, the, for, you know, fortunately the football team is the higher seed over the Bucks on the Saturday game. So I, I did go, you know, technically with an upset there. But um, and then your last game of the weekend is going to be the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. They played just last week. Uh, Sands Ben Roethlisberger. I think with with Big Ben in, they should win. But I think this is I think this is going to be my upset pick of the week. I think the Browns are going to upset the Steelers. I think they're going to – I don't know if that's, again, shocking. The Steelers started off really, really hot this year, and then they kind of, you know, kind of faded towards the end there. So I really don't know what to expect from them. 
Um, again, they had some some questionable losses there in the middle of the season. So um, I don't know, but I I think the I think the Browns can compete with them. Uh, they obviously beat them last week to get into the playoffs, but like I said, that was without Big Ben. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going I'm going with the Browns here. Um, and then something that just popped up that we can chat about here for a sec. Deshaun Watson apparently is unhappy with uh, the Texans, who isn't. Um, apparently he wasn't consulted about uh, the new GM. He's upset with that. So um, I got a couple buddies who are texting me that the Jaguars should trade their picks uh, for Deshaun Watson. So we'll see what happens with that. I, surely there is a team out there that will trade quite a few assets for him um he quietly had a really awesome season even though his team went like four and 12 um so yeah that could be something to to watch here in the off season it's always cool to see uh big big names like that move especially guys who can really really change and affect teams so uh kind of jumping over to the national championship game this will be monday night um you've got alabama the one seed and ohio state the three seed Alabama just coming off a win over Notre Dame, Ohio State beating uh, Clemson, um, kind of to my surprise. You always, you know, I mean, Ohio, they're Ohio State. They've got the athletes to, to compete with anybody. Um, they've got the, you know, Ryan Day has, has proven that he's, um, you know, a competent coach and can can handle his business. Um, so I think, I think this game could be pretty competitive. Um, you know, there are a few teams who have shown that Alabama, if you, if you throw over the top, um, and, you know, kind of reckless, you know, throwing the ball over there, you know, that you can score points. So, um, again, I, Ohio State only played six or seven games, so I don't, I don't really know a ton of them. Um, but I think, I think, again, you kind of give the, the advantage here to Alabama. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Ohio State is still really, really competitive and it's a close game even to the very end. Justin Fields is an awesome quarterback. Uh, that sermon running back for uh, Ohio State is just unstoppable, um, and like I said, Alabama's defense is not normally what they what they are. Um, so, so we'll see we'll see what they've got. So, I think Alabama wins. Um, I think it has the potential to be a really high scoring game. Um, I'm thinking probably 45, 40, 45, 31, something like that. Uh, but but Alabama winning there. All right, now that we got 10, uh, 10 minutes of bad football information out of the way. Let's, uh, let's hop into some just personal life running stuff. Um, I ran my first 100-mile race um, in November of last year. Uh, just over two months ago, I ran the Pinhoti 100 uh, here in Alabama, uh, about a two-hour drive south um, of here, Huntsville. Here, Huntsville. Um, it runs from Heflin, Alabama to Sylacauga. Uh, it's about 85 miles of single-track trail, about 15 miles of Jeep road, dirt road, dirt path, that kind of deal. Um, beautiful, beautiful area. If you've never been on the Pinhoti Trail, it runs, um, again, from about that Sylacauga area up to Dalton, Georgia, I believe, uh, over 300 miles. Um, but ran this 100-mile section um, in November. Uh, it was an awesome time. I finished in a time of uh, 28 hours and 26 minutes, something like that. Um, just barely moving, um, but we crossed the finish line. It was an incredible time. I really, uh, really can't talk about it enough. Uh, just super fun experience, um, just with a ton of awesome people, a ton of awesome volunteers, and uh, people who put that race together. Um, again, just a, a beautiful time. Um, just over 100 miles 
a little over 13,000 feet of elevation gain. Um, so just seemed to be almost constantly rolling. Um, just again, just a beautiful course. Um, 7 a.m. start time. Uh, we drove down the, uh, the day before. Um, packet pickup. Um, ate some mellow mushroom pizza the night before. Um, prepped. Um, my, my wife, Lauren. Uh, my father, also named Lauren. L-O-R-E-N. And then um, my uh, boss and good running partner, uh, Dink Taylor, all came down with me the night before. Um, Dink paced me uh, basically through the night. Um, kind of a funny um, kind of just variation this year. Normally this race um, comes uh, before daylight savings time in the calendar. Um, so you've got you know your, your typical typical little bit longer day. Um, but um, this year just so happened daylight savings time happened before so we fell back so we lose an hour of daylight so um, it was darker for uh, about an hour longer than it, it has been in past years. So um, so ran in the dark for about 13 hours, which kind of synced up with the miles that Dink ran with me. So that worked out really, really nicely. I think that helped uh, my morale. I think that really helped me kind of uh, push through. Really helped me have, uh, I think, fewer lower points just having somebody with me in the dark. Um, as silly as that sounds, it's just, it, it's just a, a super, super uh, comfortable feeling, especially as much as we have run together this summer. Uh, training together, it was really nice to have somebody kind of kind of run with me. So, um, again, just a super fun time. I cannot wait uh, to do my next one. Um, I learned a lot through this uh, this experience um, about long distance running, about pushing yourself, about really what you can uh, what you can do uh, when you really put your mind to it and really just focus all of your energy and all of your being into one thing. Um, so yeah, it was just uh, an awesome experience. Um, I had um, just in talking with some folks, I had a lot of uh, a lot of questions, but I had a few that just kept popping up. So I really just kind of wanted to dive into those and and kind of answer a few of those for you. Um, so the the first and most asked thing I I, I was asked about was uh, sleep and if I slept, how I slept, what did I do? Uh, this it was one continuous push. Um, I'm I'm certain that in there was a 30 hour cutoff for for this race. Um, so I'm sure um, that there were people who slept who were faster than me who were kind of afforded that time. I don't know other people's strategies, but um, my strategy was not to sleep. I it was just one continuous effort. Uh, there were obviously there are times where you sit down at aid stations and rest and um, you know rehydrate and and all of that. Um, and I tried to limit myself to about 10, 10 minutes um, because there are a lot of aid stations in this race, um, especially on the on the back portion. You're you know every about five or six miles there's an aid station, so you really can spend a lot of time just sitting in aid stations. It can really can really add up on your time. So um, I tried to tried to limit my aid station time. Um, I can only really remember uh, two aid stations where I sat down and really really did not want to get up. Um, there was an aid station right around 72 miles that's called Pinnacle. Um, it was, it's at the top. Um, you're coming up over a hill that you've been spending the last um, you know, mile or two kind of switchbacking up. Um, and you can hear the music from the aid station because uh, you know, as the crow flies, you're not very far, but you switch back and forth just so the elevation isn't too, too much all at one time. So um, so you can kind of you can kind of hear it in your head, and you're like, man, I am so close, but you're really not because you're back and forth and back and forth. So um, that aid station, I was I was kind of zoned out. 
Um, I had an aid station worker ask me if I was okay. Um, but fortunately, um, I um, kind of phasing into the next question. So no, I didn't really sleep. It was just all kind of one. Um, I didn't really really nap or anything like that. Um, and there were really only a couple stages where I did feel feel really, really tired. Um, there was a stage really from about 4 a.m. to about 6. Um, so those last few hours of dark that I did really, really feel just fatigued and exhausted really more than anything. Um, and it was also cold, so it was just kind of in a, a, a tough spot from really miles, um, really 75 to about 85. Um, but fortunately, once the sun came back up, uh, it really did. It, it was really got a boost of energy. And, and then also, um, you know, again, I spoke earlier about how crucial it was for Dink to pace me, but then also swapping uh, at, at mile 85, uh, Dink for my wife, which was really just, uh, it was it was awesome because I had somebody to talk to about new things. Um, I got to talk about the previous 85 miles with Lauren. Um, a lot of that was also a dirt road finishing with about five miles of single track. So um, there were other people running with us. So it was kind of communal. So um, again, that last 15 miles, although my feet were pretty blistered and pretty worn down, um, it was it was really just a kept me in a good place mentally, which was really at that point, um, I think a little bit more crucial. Um, kind of phasing into the next question, I got asked a lot about what I ate, um, how I hydrated, how did I plan my, my food. Um, so really the first, um, about 35 miles of this race, I just went, I went really just about as slow as I could um, while still moving forward and still putting forward some effort. Um, the first little while I did, um, I went with spring energy gels just to kind of start. Um, I didn't really want to start getting into like really, really anything too heavy or anything like that too early. Um, just again, to, to prevent some fatigue, um, prevent just possible, you know, just GI problems. So I went with what I knew just kind of on longer runs. Um, so again, spring energy, Canterbury and speed nut were, um, were awesome. Again, um, at about the 50k mark, 31, um, I do remember having um, maybe like half of a peanut butter sandwich and some starting on some real food, um, some Cheez-Its and maybe some gummy bears. Um, 35, I stopped and there was a friend working that aid station, and so we chatted for a minute. And I knew at 35, I had kind of a kind of a bigger climb coming up, uh, going up to uh, Mount Chiha, um, to Bald Rock there. Um, unfortunately it was completely socked in. It was like really rainy and uh, kind of dreary at that moment. So no views, which saved me a minute or two cause I didn't bust out my phone, but, um, just kind of ran on past that. But, um, at, uh, at 42, um, I tried to reheat some pizza that I had had from the night before. Um, and really honestly just didn't, didn't feel it. So again, I, I kind of just passed through that aid station without eating, but that's where I picked up Dink was at mile 42. Um, really towards the back half of the race, really in the sixties and seventies, um, uh, started to eat some real food. I ate a lot of quesadillas, um, a lot of, um, a lot of potatoes. And then I also, um, chicken broth really got me through, um, a little bit of protein, a little bit of salt, um, so that kind of pushed me through really the last 15 or so miles. I really did not feel like eating much. I was just kind of, again, kind of just completely worn down. Um, not only, 
not only physically, but also, uh, I guess internally as well. So, um, I got, I do remember getting to 95. I sat down and ate a breakfast burrito and that was kind of my last final push. Um, so that was kind of my, uh, my diet, my hydration. I really did focus a lot of attention on staying hydrated because it did, um, it did get a little bit warmer than what it really typically is in November. Um, I ran in a singlet and a, in shorts. Um, and that's it. There was, there was from start to finish. And even through the night, I didn't use uh, anything. Um, so it was, it was really mild. Um, so I did sweat a lot more than I, than I really kind of wanted to or anticipated. So, um, I really did have to focus on just having to drink constantly. Um, but really throughout the night that I no cramping issues, nothing like that. So, uh, fortunately I was able to stay on top of it. So I was really, really pumped about that aspect. I feel like, um, I feel like this race was really probably my, my most complete race, um, from start to finish, just, um, going from hydration and fueling and pacing. Um, I really, really was happy with the, with the result. Um, and then kind of lastly, I just got into it, but what did I wear? I, I, like I said, I just wore a singlet and shorts, uh, Belega socks and Hoka speed goat fours. And I didn't switch shoes. I ran in the exact same pair of shoes the entire time. I didn't have any issues really, uh, other than issues that are to be expected in a hundred mile race. Um, I obviously I had some blistering. Um, there were a lot of Creek crossings, almost constant Creek crossings. Um, so you can be as careful as you'd like at some point, your foot's going to slip off a rock or you're going to slide or you're not going to pay attention or, um, it's dark. Um, but your feet are going to get wet at some point. So I did switch socks a few times. Um, but like I said, I went with the, with, went with the same shoes and really, like I said, I had, had a few blisters here and there and some, you know, general foot fatigue, but really, uh, within about a day of finishing, uh, my feet were pretty much back to normal. Um, like I said, I had some, some blister issues and that kind of thing, but was really, um, you know, really able to kind of walk around and, and be pretty normal, uh, within about a day or two. So, um, was really excited about that too. So, uh, that's just a quick, uh, recap of running and some bad football advice. So for the few of you who pushed me into doing this, I know it was quick and uh, raw, but that's just what you're going to have to go with. So um, we may see you later. We may not. We will see what happens with this. And um, if if we do, maybe we'll see you next week. So hope you have an awesome week. And uh, thank you for listening again. Would appreciate any kind of feedback. Um, would love to hear from you. And again, we will see you later. Bye.